Chapter 7, Estimating and Bidding, Overview. Construction estimating is the process used to determine costs for everything that is required for completing a project. It is vital that the contractor puts into practice and follows careful planned estimating procedures. This will ensure that the bid will, com will be competitive with bids from other companies and also be high enough to result in a fair gross profit, but not so low that the company will lose money on the completed job. If the bid is too high, the contractor will lose business to competitors in the company, then might not have enough work for employees or subcontractors. A low bid might affect the quality of the work a contractor can afford to provide without sustaining a loss. Document review. In order to be as accurate as possible, the estimate should be best based on factual information taken from reliable data. Before beginning the estimating process, the estimator should become familiar with the project bid documents. These contain the legal requirements and project specification information. Typically, bid documents include the instructions to bidders, proposal form drawings, specifications, general conditions, supplemental conditions, and addenda. Many jurisdictions now require that contractors include a license number with bids. Jurisdictions that set monetary limits for contractors typically require that contractors include the monetary limit with bids. General conditions. The general conditions covered in a typical contract are the most important details related to the project. These include such items as the rights and duties of the participants and the rules under which they will function, the rights or the limitations of the contractor to subcontract various elements of the project, the responsibility of the contractor for the subcontractor's work, the time schedule for payment, the method that will be used for payment, procedures for settling disputes, insurance and bonding requirements, and conditions that will allow for possible termination of the contract. Special conditions or supplemental conditions. If, if some of the general conditions need to be changed, the parties can use a standard form known as special conditions or supplemental conditions. This document enables the parties to change some of the general conditions without having to rewrite the entire contract. Addenda. Addenda are changes made to, ch to bid documents after they have been distributed, but before bids are received, these changes can result from changes requested by either the project owner or by potential bidders. To bid or not to bid. Review of the project documents gives the contractor some insight into the requirements for the project, but before the decision is made concerning whether or whether or whether or not to submit a bid, the contractor should realistically decide if the project would be profitable for the company. To make this decision, the contractor will need to check the check that the size and complexity of the project would be within the range of the company's experience and capabilities. Project would be compatible with the type of work the company typically does. And company would have available resources, funds, equipment, subcontractors, material, personnel, etc. to complete the project within the time frame noted in the documents. If these requirements could be met, then the contractor or designated estimator would proceed with the estimated process. Estimating procedures. Forecasting costs, accurate costs for all of the project's requirements is at best a time-consuming and imperfect task. The contractor should establish a system for the company in which the same procedures are followed for each estimate. Having the system in place will give the estimator more confidence that nothing in the estimate has been overlooked or nor figured incorrectly. 
Technology is helping to increase the accuracy of estimating process with the availability of specialized software programs for estimators to use along with standardized national and regional cost indexes. Bid documents, including, including drawings and project specifications, are typically organized in accordance with the industry standard CSI format. CSI format offers contractors an accepted method for organizing their estimates and their bid tabulations. The CSI format is also often used for the job cost coding to provide an easy and functional transaction of the bid estimate to the working project budget. Estimating software is widely available for various types of construction, such as residential, commercial, industrial, remodeling, etc. Some Software providers state that they can offer customizable, flexible, built-in unit cost data in industry standard CSI format. Some providers will even update regional cost data for customers on a regular basis. Even with the advanced programs, many contractors adapt the software to fit with the estimated methods that they have used in the past in which they have experienced success. Construction Specifications Institute, CSI. The Construction Specifications Institute, CSI, is an international professional organization that provides technical information products and continuing education for non-residential construction. The goal of the organization is to increase communication among the institute's members, which include engineers, architects, contractors, building owners, product manufacturers, and almost every trade associated with the construction industry. CSI develops standards for the industry industry's many products and services while at the same time meeting the industry's need for common system of organizing and presenting construction documents. The Institute's master format is a master list of titles and numbers used to organize information by work sequences and results. It has two main groups which includes subgroups and divisions. The specific the specification group including general requirements and facility construction subgroups has 19 divisions, which are most commonly used by general construction contractors. Figure 7-1 on the following page lists three major divisions of the CSI master's format. Figure 7-1 CSI master format specifications group, general requirements, and facility construction subgroups in 19 divisions. It you have to look at it to understand it. So a whole bunch of things. Sections are within divisions. Section numbers are generally six digits provided as three pairs. Additional digits are available for every specific or user-defined topics. See figure 7-2 below for an example of a CSI master format specification breakdown. It's another chart that you need to read the book to understand, Father. There are also additional levels which provide further details about such things as types of materials levels for grouping, specifications for works with similar natures, etc. The further information is needed, the CSI can be contacted as follows. All kinds of different information you can contact them at. Preliminary activities. Unique features of the project site and their related costs may have may have major impact on the bidding process. After checking out the site, the contractor may even decide that the difficulties connected to the location would be reason enough to not bid on the project at all.
By studying the job site, the contractor will be able to obtain first-hand information about the following elements. Projection, project location. If the site is far from the contractor's base of operations, what amount should be factored into the bid to cover the extra cost for material delivery and workers' travel time? How close to the site could the material storage area be located? Further weather conditions. If the project's estimated time frame covers a period when severe weather conditions might occur, what delays might occur? Utilities access. What must be done to obtain temporary and permanent electrical water and telephone services? Site access. What type of roads are available? Will the contractor be responsible for constructing temporary access roads? Site security. What types of challenges will security present? What will be the cost to make sure the site is secure? Surface features and drainage. How much work will be required to prepare the site for construction? What are the environmental restrictions? Subsurface soil and water. What lies below the surface and what problems might be caused by the subsurface conditions? Many jurisdictions have passed erosion and wetland protection guidelines. What costs should be added to the estimate to ensure compliance with all governmental regulations? If the contractor has been able to satisfactorily answer the questions raised during the site inspection, the next step in the estimating process would be the review of the company's records of previous projects. After the information has been thoroughly researched, the contractor would then be ready to proceed with actual preparation of the cost data. In order to determine the project's overall estimated cost, the information would be gathered for the following specific areas, labor costs, including both company employees and subcontractors, material costs, equipment costs, project overhead costs, and company overhead costs. For additional information about job costing, refer to Chapter 6, Financial Management. Estimating Methods Estimating to calculate costs for reconstruction reconstru project typically use two methods. There are the detailed survey method and the unit price method. Detail detailed survey method. When using the detailed survey, survey method, the first step for the estimator to do is accurately list all the materials and labor needed for the project. This process is known as making a quantity survey or takeoff. When the quantity survey is complete, the results are transferred to summary sheets to classify the various items of work necessary for the project. Using the items of work listed on the summary sheet as a guide, the contractor will then estimate the cost for labor and materials, equipment, and overhead. Figure 7-3 Detailed Surveyed Method Example A contractor is estimating and bidded bidding a 15 by 20 room addition. The estimated cost must include labor, materials, equipment, rental, permit, supervision, project overhead, and general overhead. The builder prepares a material takeoff from the project drawings and specifications, then obtains a vendor quotes for the material, including any extra charges such as sales taxes or delivery fees. At the same time, the equipment required to do the job is listed and the contractor obtains quotes for the equipment rental. A detailed review of the required labor follows and labor costs for each phase of the project are estimated. Then project overhead costs are added, including salaries for supervision. These estimated costs are added to the previous amount. Next, the builder must decide what, the, what amount should be applied to this project for fixed overhead costs. The estimate is often based on the contractor's projection for the year of overhead as percentage of revenue. An accountant may be consulted to help determine overhead costs for a project. Finally, after all these three, after all of these costs have been added, the desired profit is calculated. This figure is added to the estimate, and the resulting sum is the price that would would be for the bid of the job. Unit price method. The unit price method requires 
determining all the costs for each unit of construction. When using the method, however, costs are based on an easily defined unit of work such as price price per square foot for decking or a price per cubic yard for excavation. Figure 7-4. Unit price survey method example. A subcontract needs to, needs to estimate a bid for excavating a rocky site for a driveway and covering it with pavers. The job requires clearing the site of an unknown quantity of material and hauling it away. Since the amount of work is to be done is not easily defined in this case, the subcontractor would need to de determine costs for such items such as equipment, rental, labor, fuel for transport, etc., and then prepare an estimate based on the cost per cubic yard, then unit of measure to excavate and remove the unknown material and cover the area with pavers. In addition to the unit cost price, the subcontractor would then add estimate project overhead costs and fixed overhead costs with the addition of an amount for profit. The figure would become the bid price. Details of an estimate. Both of the methods described above require that all the separate parts of the project be accounted for and the cost estimated accurately. An error in estimating costs for any of the individual requirements, labor materials, equipment, subcontracted costs, project overhead, and fixed overhead could result in a loss for the entire project. The discussion below assumes that the contractor's employees will be able to will be used to provide the labor materials and equipment. If subcontractors will be used, the price quotes from the subcontractors should be used for the estimates with the contractor adding to these quotes the cost of whatever supervision the contractor will provide. Labor costs. Labor costs make up a large amount of the total cost for a project and also are also one of the most difficult areas to estimate accurately. The review of the plans and specifications will enable the estimator to find out the specific areas of work that are required. The next step would be to list all the types of work to be done. This is broken down even further by determining the time, usually in man hours, required to complete the tasks. Using job cost data from the past company projects is a valuable resource to use when making this calculation. Another method is to look at the labor tables published in construction manuals or that come with software packages. Combining information from both sources, company experience, and standardized tables will most likely provide the most accurate labor estimates. The estimator would then devise a preliminary schedule based on this information and past experience. After the preliminary schedule has been developed in which all required tasks have been listed, it can be compared to the project completion time requested by the owner. This comparison may show that the job cannot be finished by the completion date or within the dollar amount estimated by the owner. An experienced estimator would not arbitrarily change this preliminary schedule if the time estimated for the tasks extends beyond the proposed completion time. This time difference is a clear signal that the project will most likely require more resources or an extended completion date. Under these circumstances, the estimator would meet with the owner to establish a single schedule to effect a compromise between what the owner desires and what can be done with the required time frame with the dollars available. The contractor must be familiar with the labor market for the area and the rates that craftsmen and laborers are being paid. For some projects, it is also necessary that the estimator learn whether union or federal pay scales are required. The following is a simplified example of how an estimate for one of the project specifications might be figured. Figure 7.7-5, labor estimate example. The plans specify a 24 by 0 block using 8 by 8 by 16 block. A mason working with a helper can build the wall in 5 hours. If the labor cost for the mason is 25 per hour and 10 
per hour for the helper, what should be the estimated labor cost be for this task? Mason's labor cost is 5 hours times 25 per hour is $125. Helper's labor cost is 5 hours times 10, is which is 50. So 125 plus 50 is 175 estimated labor cost for building the block wall. However, there are a number of other things that can be considered before the total labor time can be finalized. The example above is a simplistic in that it assumes the cost for employment taxes, benefits, and other labor add-ons have already been factored into the noted labor cost. An experienced estimator will also know how much time to add to the labor estimate to allow time for such items as tool and material setup, safety device maintenance, cleanups, breaks, weather delays, safety meetings, and possible rework. Material costs. A material takeoff means that all the materials required for the project are accounted for. Many companies have created their own checkoff list to use this for a task. Others are standardized takeoff forms or software. Whatever method is chosen, the contractor can also use past experience with similar projects to estimate waste or loss that normally occurs on site. In addition to providing a list of materials, the forms can also be used to show an overall picture of the materials. Should be grouped by specific phases of the project, require a longer lead time for delivery, and can be ordered closer to time of use to eliminate stockpiling of inventory. More than one supplier should be contacted to submit bids for the required materials. Price alone may not be the only deciding factor. Established relationships with vendors are also important elements to consider before deciding on which supplier to use, along with jobs, costs, history for similar materials. Equipment costs. Each project will require the use of different types of equipment. The decision to buy or lease equipment is related to not only to the project being bid on, but also to the overall makeup of the company. Equipment leasing could be a good option for obtaining equipment for short-term use. Equipment leases or rentals also enable the company to obtain many different types of equipment. Generally, using rental equipment will cost more than the ownership. If cash flow is an important issue, then leasing might be the right decision. For the purpose of the estimated process, it is easier to estimate rental costs than it is to calculate costs for being for using owned equipment. In some cases, the contractor may decide to subcontract equipment needs to a company that can fulfill those needs. Project overhead costs. General conditions costs. Project overhead costs consist of additional costs related to the specific project but that do not fit into any of the previously specified categories. These are often noted as tasks or activities in the general conditions section of the bid documents. Examples of these costs might include salaries for supervisors and security guards, fees for permits, barricades and other safety features, storage sheds or warehouse space, temporary utilities, and portable toilets. Company overhead costs. General or company overhead costs are also known as administrative overhead, are expenses that are not specific to any one project. These are ongoing expenses that a company must pay in order to stay in business. This outlay must be accounted for whether work is being done on a project or not, but when each project is estimated, these are costs that must be included in the overall bid. These costs can be estimated based on the historical or projected percentage of company overhead to revenue. It could also be beneficial to consult with an accountant to obtain professional advice about how to estimate the cost of these items. Examples of company overhead must might include office salaries, rent and supplies, office utilities, insurance and taxes, professional services, legal accounting, etc., company vehicle upkeep, 
advertising and printing, and leased office equipment. Profit market. After all the cost estimates have been completed and added, then a percentage of the total amount is added as profit. This is a critical step because no company can remain in business for any length of time without making a profit. Contractors may adjust markup to compensate for the type of client, contingencies, or unknown factors. Following are some of the items a contractor should consider before deciding on the amount of the markup. Size and type of project, distance of the site from the company base, problems with site, environmental restrictions, competition bidding on the project, economic conditions of the area, and the use of in-house employees or subcontractors. The sample summary sheet below illustrates how some of these costs might be accounted for. Figure 7-6 is a sample summary sheet. Estimating checklist. Overlooking any of the details in the estimating process could result in a flawed bid and possible financial loss to the company. It is important that estimators make sure that all costs have been accounted for, but not identifying and accounting for all the items on a summary sheet. The estimator might make a serious estimating mistake that could result in a bid that is either too low or too high. It is worthwhile to double-check all information and entries for omissions and errors to ensure accuracy of the estimate. A bid that is too low could result in financial loss to the company for the project. A bid that is too high might result in contract being awarded to another company. The following simple checklist provides a review of the important steps in the estimating process. More complex estimated forms can be obtained with computer software and that are specifically helpful for estimating and bidding on large complex projects. Figure 7-7 is an estimating checklist. Break-even bidding. A contractor may face the necessity of bidding for a job where only costs are covered and no profit is realized. This is called the break-even point. This may occur when the, econom the economy has slowed and work is not readily available, or when it is necessary to bid lower to remain competitive. Obviously, this should not happen too often. By accepting work under these conditions, key employees and subcontractors can continue to work for the contractor. Layoffs are avoided and subcontractor and supplier relationships are maintained. In order to avoid financial loss under these conditions, it is necessary for the contractor to understand the specific costs that relate to a break-even scenario. Specific information is covered in Chapter 6, Financial Management. Bid Shopping Chapter 1 discusses how a contractor should conduct business ethically. An example of an unethical business practice is bid shopping. Bid shopping works in the, in the following way. The general contractor will use one subcontractor's quote to prepare a bid. After the bid is accepted, the contractor will then attempt to increase future profit by substituting a different, different subcontractor, who has quoted the job at a lower cost. In another equally unethical scenario, the general contractor will attempt to manipulate and coerce the subcontractor into lowering their original quote under threat of being replaced. Some jurisdictions have prohibited bid shopping. The contractor's reputation will become tarnished within the business community. The unethical contractor will discover the proof that the pool of honest, qualified craftsmen necessary for the business to prosper will choose not to work with unethical people. In the long run, the contractor who follows ethical business practices will achieve a greater success because both customers and colleagues will want to be involved in projects with this individual.